January 6th, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms died suddenly. Details coming up. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 182 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. January 6th, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms dies suddenly. Whoopi and the gals at The View share their unintentionally hilarious takes on Roe being overturned, and Biden's Justice Department continues to go after their political opponents. Details coming up. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Every day, my commitment to you is to share with you news that sometimes is an inconvenient truth because I don't want you to ever say, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you try to warn us? If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, now, the first thing I need to get to is the way the liberals are treating Justice Clarence Thomas since Roe was overturned. This is a serious thing. A lot of liberals are calling him the N-word. Their inner racist, their inner KKK is coming out. Adam B. Coleman over the New York Post has a great new article entitled Calling Justice Thomas Uncle Clarence exposes the rotten sham that is the progressive movement. He says, A festering rot of racial animosity exists in our society that we willfully ignore socially and politically. It is a rot that eats away at the flesh of our civil society and spoils the greatness of our multicultural nation. Progressives continually tell us We have blinders on when it comes to racism in American society. They have shoved their ideological solution of anti-racism to force us to deconstruct what they believe is an inherently deep-seated racist nation. He says, I, as a black American, am supposed to rejoice in the presence of our self-appointed saviors, but I peeked behind the veil and saw who they really are. Understandably, detractors of the decision have found themselves angry and anguished at last week's Supreme Court reversal of Roe v. Wade. Six judges found it necessary to overturn, but just one has been elected the face of all political animus, Clarence Thomas, who didn't even write the court's opinion. They say that in times of stress, anger, and anguish, you see who people really are. These moments are rare but special because you get to see how much of their rhetoric manifests in action 
and how much is lip service? With overwhelming anger seeping through their pores, Democrats saw only one viable target who would satisfy their rage. There was only one person for whom they felt comfortable exposing themselves by lifting the veil of their true hatred and and indifference for black people. In a matter of hours, Uncle Uncle Clarence was trending on Twitter, a reference to the racist pejorative Uncle Tom. I witnessed multiple conversations between white progressives questioning if Clarence knows he's black, chastising him for being married to a white woman, and even going so far as to feel completely comfortable calling him the N-word. Don't believe me? Do a Twitter search yourself. Just one example. Left-wing Canadian pollster John Corbett tweeted, Clarence Thomas, just another dumb field N-word. So they weren't saying N-word. They're spelling it out. Even more disappointing, many black progressive Democrats stood by and said nothing. I listened to a Twitter Spaces discussion in which white man said verbatim, Clarence Thomas is an N-word, again, spelling it out, on a mostly black panel, and no one said a thing. Why would they allow this without pushback? Well, because they aren't principled either. White progressives feel emboldened to use racially inflammatory language like Uncle Tom and Coon directed at black people who don't behave the way they feel is acceptably black because black progressives allow it to happen. Samuel L. Jackson, for example, gave the racist bat signal to all his white elitist progressive allies when he tweeted out, How's Uncle Clarence feeling about overturning Loving versus Virginia? Today it's Uncle Clarence, but tomorrow it can be Uncle Samuel, and that's the point he's missing. You cannot claim to be pro-black while selectively caring about which black person takes racial abuse. You cannot claim to be anti-racist if some racism is okay with you. You do not have to support Clarence Thomas's political position is to find something highly unconscionable about how the man has been treated based simply on his race. The veil has been lifted. This is who they are. The progressive movement is a sham, along with its boutique anti-racism ideology. The deep-seated hatred that progressives claim exists among the American public actually rots inside them, not us. While everyone else has had their fingers clamped firmly on their noses to avoid the stench, I've been smelling this rot spread throughout my old political party for years. I used to believe Democrats were the party of fairness, liberal values, and rationality. But they've allowed the rot to spread to all their messaging and have willfully leaned into the stench. Instead of being repelled by the putrid smell of superficial identity politics, they've convinced themselves it's a perfume-like fragrance everyone should enjoy. They've allowed racist leftist ideologues to smell up the joint, forcing many black Americans like me to choose political homelessness over a home that reeks of immorality. This is not about Clarence Thomas. It's about addressing what is right and what is moral. Justice Thomas doesn't need my defense. He's a grown man, can handle himself when labeled a misbehaving Negro. 
If you're okay with white people calling any black person the N-word, you're part of the rot. If you're okay with white people calling black people they disagree with politically Uncle Tom's, you're part of the rot. If you cannot smell the rot, it's because you are it. The veil has been lifted. This is who they are. Believe them. That's Adam B. Coleman, author of Black Victim to Black Victor, founder of Wrong Speak Publishing. His article, Calling Justice Thomas Uncle Clarence, exposes the rotten sham that is the progressive movement over the New York Post. What do you think about that? Now, let me uh, let me get to the story of the uh, the guy who was the U.S. Senate Sergeant at Arms over on uh, January six who who all of a sudden dropped dead. Okay, wait, what? Because, you know, the January 6th committee had just announced that they were going to have a uh, surprise witness Tomorrow morning, remember that? Actually, this morning now, Tuesday morning. See, I'm doing Monday's podcast after midnight Tuesday because there was so much show prep to do that this is when I could get to it. Stinger. Now, let me go back to when uh, former Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stinger gave his uh, testimony to Congress. See, Chuck Schumer tweeted out on the morning of January 7th if Stinger didn't go ahead and resign, he was going to make sure he was fired when the Democrats took over in a matter of days. So he resigned the day after January 6th. His former Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Michael Stinger. There is an opportunity to learn lessons from the events of January 6th. Investigations should be considered. As to the funding and traveling, what appears to be professional agitators. First Amendment rights should always be considered in conjunction with these investigations. Law enforcement coordination in the National Capital Region should be reviewed to determine what can be done in a more efficient and productive manner. Intelligence collection and dissemination. Training and concepts on the use of force must be consistent. This integration should be accomplished without regard to self-interest and cause. In, conclu- in conclusion, whenever you prepare for a major event, it's always considered a possibility of some level of civil disobedience at these demonstrations and plan accordingly. Events of January 6th went beyond disobedience. This is a violent, coordinated attack. The loss of life would have been much worse. This concludes my prepared remarks. Okay. 
Ryan King, breaking news reporter over the Washington Examiner, reporting 11-15 Monday night, Michael Stenger, the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms who oversaw security in the upper chamber during the Capitol riot, riot, police riot, died Monday morning, according to multiple reports. The cause of his death was not immediately clear, but reporters from Fox News and Politico shared news of his passing. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, also tweeted about it. Stinger held the post in 2018 to 2021 and stepped down the day after the January 6th attack. And then he quoted his opening statement. I don't know if you understood it because it was kind of muffled. He was doing it on a Skype or Zoom call or whatever. But he said, there's an opportunity, opportunity to learn lessons from the events of January 6th. Investigations should be considered as to funding and travel of what appears to be professional agitators. First Amendment rights should always be considered in conjunction with professional investigations. Stinger had joined the team for the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms in 2011 following a multi-decade career with the Secret Service. Then-Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell nominated him as Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, and he was confirmed unanimously. Axios is reporting McConnell requested and received his resignation the day after a mob of violent rioters stormed the Capitol. Yeah, that's not true. They were let in, and they're peaceful. Most of them, overwhelming majority of them. Most of the violent ones, I think, were feds. Anyway, Stinger received fierce criticism from members of Congress over his handling of security on the day of the riot. Ultimately, it took over four hours for the National Guard to arrive on the scene that day, and some have questioned whether Stinger and his one-time House counterpart, Paul Irving, could have called for backup sooner, according to uh, Washington, D.C. TV station WSA 9. In response to the security breach on January 6th, the breach when the cops opened the door for everybody, 20,000-pound doors, that, that breach, Congress passed a raft of procedural reforms to quash any confusion and the rules about what authority Congress's security team had to call for reinforcements. And Dementia Joe signed that legislation into law. Fascinating. Now, needless to say, there are a number of responses here. Um, same uh, TV station, WSA 9 TV station out of uh, Washington, D.C., February 23rd, 2021, had an article saying the Capitol Police Chief on January 6th says he requested National Guard assistance and the House Sergeant-at-Arms denies it. Michael Stinger was a Senate Sergeant-at-Arms and he also could have approved. So it's strange he turns up dead all of a sudden. 
Amen. Uh, this is uh, this is messed up. Joseph McBride, defense attorney fighting for the constitutional rights of American patriots, who represents a number of the January 6th political prisoners. Says if Michael Stinger was killed, then it's no longer a question of whether we are under attack. The question then becomes whether we can sustain an invasion. He says, wake up, America, hashtag FedSurrection. He links to the uh, Washington Examiner article, and then again has this quote. There's an opportunity to learn lessons for the events of January 6th. Investigations should be considered as to funding and travel of what appears to be professional agitators. First Amendment rights should always be considered in conjunction with professional investigations. I, 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 got, a, I got a question. I got a theory. A question about a theory. A theory about a question. Since this guy, Stinger worked for the Secret Service for decades before he went to work for the uh, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms staff and eventually became Senate Sergeant-at-Arms. I think there might be a possibility he was investigating the possibility of professional agitators. Professional agitators. See, um, the feds won't answer questions from Republicans in Congress about how many FBI agents and other Fed agents were on Capitol Hill on January 6, 2021, and whether they committed any crimes, and whether they committed any crimes of violence. They won't answer that. They won't answer that. Now, why do you think that is? Oh, by the way, did you hear they put Glenn Maxwell, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, former girlfriend and procurer of young ladies, of teenage girls, did you hear they put Glenn Maxwell on uh, Suicide Watch? Are they just going to kill her in broad daylight like they did Epstein? See, she went to prison for trafficking underage girls. But they're not going after any of the, the Johns, any of Glenn and Jeffrey Epstein's customers, are they? Why? Why do you think that is? Okay, here's the latest from UK Daily Mail. Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stinger, who was in charge of securing the Capitol on January 6th, died suddenly just one day before the Capitol Riot Committee is set to call surprise hearing to present, quote, newly uncovered evidence, unquote. Subhead, Michael Stinger was Sergeant Arms from April 2018 until January 7th, 2021. 
Serving as the Senate's chief law enforcement and protocol officer, he resigned after the Capitol was overrun by protesters on January 6th. Overrun. So that's what they call opening the door and saying, come on in these days, huh? Amid accusations that he refused to call for the National Guard to help. The House Sergeant-at-Arms also resigned, as did the head of the Capitol Police. On Monday, Fox News reported the stinger had died. On Tuesday, the January 6th committee will hold an extraordinary session arranged only the day before to feature an aide to Trump's chief of staff, Cassidy Hutchinson, worked for Mark Meadows and will testify before the committee during Tuesday's televised hearing. Cassidy Hutchinson. Don't know anything about her. I wonder if she's on LinkedIn. Let's check. But she is. All professional people are on LinkedIn, right? I mean, let's see. Cassidy Hutchinson. Oh, she's got the same last name as the uh, governor of um, Arkansas. Let's see. Former special assistant to the president and uh, chief of staff. It's at the White House May 2020 through January 2021. Um, oh, I actually started in the Office of Legislative Affairs March 2019. So she was there for almost two years. I wonder what she's doing now. Doesn't say. So she's going to be what the Democrats and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinsinger tomorrow think is uh, some kind of some kind of bombshell, right? Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Stinger, Michael Stinger, the guy who's been dead less than 24 hours, apparently, previously served in the United States Marine Corps and spent 35 years in the Secret Service. Fox's congressional correspondent Chad Pergram tweeted, Fox confirms that Michael Stinger, the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms who was in charge of Senate security the day of the Capitol riot, has died. So, um, what's the, uh, what's the cause of death? death? See, that's, That's what uh, that's what we want to know. What's the cause of death? It just keeps uh, getting curiouser and curiouser and curiouser. If we have any more breaking news on that as the show 
uh, goes along. We'll definitely share it with you. So coming up, Biden's Justice Department continues to go after his political opponents. And Whoopi and the, ga- and the gals at The View share their unintentionally hilarious takes on Roe v. Wade being overturned. I, uh, I even found out Whoopi Goldberg's real name. So I'll probably, uh, I'll probably be sharing that with you. Yeah, we're, we're just getting started. We appreciate, by the way, so much our advertisers. Our advertisers are our friends, and we appreciate them allowing us to do what we do here. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare? The so-called Affordable Care Act. Make your health care more expensive. Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. My FamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com.
Com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thank you again to Jonathan Presswood, our friend at Edward Jones, Art Wilborn, our friend at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, and and Mitch Ward, our friend at RedRiverYourWay.com, our friends and advertisers for making, it, for making it possible for us to do what we do here. Now, um, The View. The gals at The View were flying down to Bahama to do their 25th anniversary show when they found out that Roe v. Wade had been overturned. And they are glittering jewels of ignorance. And it doesn't matter to the network. If ABC cared about the fact that they are glittering jewels of ignorance, then they would hire somebody to say, hey, uh, by the way, (laughs) here's what, actually happened. Here's what the Constitution actually says. But they don't care because they know that they have an audience among, I guess, mostly white, progressive, wealthy women that like what they do. And that's mostly the kind of people that are in their audiences uh, clapping like trained seals. So whoopee. By the way, her real name is Karen Elaine Johnson. That's what her mama named her. C-A-R-Y-N, by the way. But everybody knows her as Whoopi Goldberg. By the way, why is is Ted Danson trending? I don't know. Her her old boyfriend. You know, the one that did the, the blackface bit with her sitting right there. She had helped write it for him. But if you do it, you're a racist. Anyway, 
Anyway, here's uh, Whippy and the Whoopi and the gals on the View. We were in the in the air flying here on Friday. The news broke that Supreme Court uh, just. You know, the conservatives overturned Roe versus Wade. So a hot topics meeting immediately kind of broke out 40,000 feet up in the air trying to process the impact of this decision. I thought 30,000 was as far up as it went. Yeah, what do I know? All right, here's more. So recognize right off the bat that not everyone agrees on this particular issue but it is at its core about whether you have the right to do what to kill that baby right to pay some man to rip it apart limb by limb right like drawing drawing and quartering right whoopee whether you have the choice to murder that baby, right, Whoopi? To make decisions about another person's reproductive choices. That, Yeah, the other person being the baby. It's at its yeah. core. That's at the core. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Whoopi here in a second. So just hang on. Let's get the end of this clip. That's what this is about. So when you heard this decision, which we they sort of said was coming, they, they sort of gave us an inkling. No, they didn't give you an inkling. A law clerk from one of the liberal judges gave you an inkling, but she likes to misstate things. When you heard it, what was your thoughts? Well, first of all, we were in the air. Yes, I did. So it was not easy to jump out of the plane. Yeah. (laughs) And don't think Joy didn't try. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And right into the Supreme Court, maybe, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think Joy tried to jump out of the plane. Now... Whoopi once said that she had seven abortions herself from the time she was 14 to the time she was 25. So you don't think people use that as birth control? I mean, then then what was it? So she's uh, pretty hardened, pretty jaded, you know. I'm just saying. She once uh, admitted that. She's probably not going to talk about it now. Anyway, here's more glittering jewels of ignorance on the view. So it was it was a little bit shocking, but I remember the word went out really fast and we were getting up out of our seats and getting of course uh, Sonny gave us all the information and Oh, Sonny had to give you the information. I guess Joy Behar's in her 70s. She doesn't know how to work the internet on uh, on her phone, I guess. You know, it was yeah. a pretty rough moment. I must the, the late great Rush Limbaugh used to call her Maud. I, I was you know, surprised. We sort of, we sort of, as we sort of got it already because yeah. Alito had had uh, had already dropped a hint. Alito didn't drop a hint. A clerk for one of the liberal justices is going to vote against the Dobbs decision to keep Roe law. Leaked it. She knows Alito didn't drop. Well, I don't know. She's pretty stupid. It was an attempt to intimidate the conservative justices. Alito didn't drop any hint. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
These gals don't have any idea. They, they don't know what's going on. You never thought they would actually go through it because it's insane. Now, why would it be insane to say there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion? Why would that be insane? Again, they're not thinking. It's just the feels. Yeah, and I, I think that was the surprising part, right? We There was a Supreme Court leak. Of no, not right. Of this decision. We've known for months that this was coming, and somehow it was still shocking. Oh, that's Anna Navarro. She's the one who uh, implied that her special needs members of her family, her extended family, should have been aborted. A few years ago, she also called a creepy porn lawyer. Michael Avenatti, she likened him to the Holy Spirit because she said, you're everywhere, so you're like the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. I didn't say it, She said it. Yeah, and I think it's because for so many years, it has been a political wedge issue. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think nobody ever thought that the dog would actually catch the bus. Mm-hmm. And so now we have to live with the consequences, and there's just this, you know, the, the, the division in the country. I I thought to myself, what would have happened had we not had that leak oh, a few months ago and this come as a complete shock right. yeah. to America? Do you think it would have been like, worse or better? I think it would have been much worse. Hmm. By the way, on the next episode of the Doc Washburn Show, we are scheduled to interview... Uh, one of the co-founders of the Operation Rescue Movement who has been in Washington, D.C., celebrating the Dobbs decision, just so you know. Just so you know. Now, in this next clip, Sonny Hostin lies about the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade, and Joy Behar actually goes after Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, my. But I I think what was fascinating to me, because I I kept the leaked draft, and I started comparing the leaked draft to the current opinion. I will tell you, they are almost identical. They are almost identical. uh And that part was really striking to me. And and what I told you and I told Brian on the plane is that the court is basically saying to welcome, you know, it's time to welcome all this new life, um, yet we can shoot them. Yeah, we can shoot them? Uh, with our newly available, completely uh, yeah. unrestricted guns. Yeah. So she lies. Time to welcome all this new life, but we can shoot them at our completely available, unrestricted guns. Um, how can Sonny Hostin be this stupid? What did the court do last week about concealed carry? They said the seven states which were trying to keep people from being able to conceal carry, that's unconstitutional. Your right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Did it change anything about background checks? The hoops you have to jump through to buy a gun? Nope. But Sonny wants you to think it did. Now, why is that? When I was in college, somebody explained to me, nobody gives you information for free. They want you to do something with it. So 
So Sonny says that with the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court says you've got to welcome all this new life, and then we can shoot them with our completely available, unrestricted guns. She's implying that conservative Supreme Court justices want to shoot babies. You believe this garbage? Man, man. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Oh, and the idiots in the audience clap as if she said something that made any sense, as if she said something true. Sort of that conflict, it was sort of shocking to me um, and unbelievable that precedent doesn't seem to matter anymore. And I think what was even worse. Wait, precedent doesn't matter? You didn't have a problem when they overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, did you? I know, you don't know what it is. You didn't have a problem when they overturned Dred Scott, did you? I know, you don't know what it is. Was uh, Clarence Thomas's, oh, you know, uh, opinion that said. Clarence Thomas, oh, oh, oh. They're disgusted she brings up his name. Now nothing really is um, off the table. You want to hear the precedent. dumbest statement of the. Now nothing is off the table? He didn't say that. Day. Sure. Dumbest statement of the day? Whoopi says, sure. Okay, which which was which statement was it that was it something Whoopi said or something Joy said? Okay, it was done. And it's early, so it's very early. Yeah. The night is young. Sarah Huckabee Sanders celebrating the gubernatorial primary win in Arkansas. Uh, yeah. You're welcome. I did what I could, but you're welcome. <laughs> said, quote, we will make sure that when a kid is in the womb, they're as safe as they are in a classroom. What's dumb about that? Children in classrooms in America are safe in 99.99999% of them. Kids getting shot in school is very, very rare, and that's why it makes big news. Oh, except when somebody stops a mass shooter, and I got something about that coming up here in a little bit. That is really, you know, I I heard that, and that was crazy. But how stupid is she? Come on. That is, uh, I hadn't planned on uh, defending Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who defeated me in a hard-fought race for the Republican nomination for governor, but saying we want children to be as safe in the womb as they are in a classroom is not evidence of stupidity at all. Statistically speaking, children hardly ever get shot in a classroom. But boy, millions of abortions every year. How stupid is Whoopi? How stupid is Joy Behar? How stupid is Anna Navarro? How stupid is uh, Sonny Hostin? How stupid's the other one? I'm trying to remember the other one's name. I had to look her up because I'd never heard of her. Yeah, I uh I can't remember her name, but that's okay. Anna Navarro then reiterates reiterates her call 
to abort special needs babies. That also brings up another point, yeah. which is that Arkansas and so many of the states that have trigger laws ready and that are banning a person, a family's choice, a woman's choice, also yeah. have the worst social services yeah. Yeah. Yes. in America. Always. Yes. And so if you are, and, and look, this is a different... Yes, always. Was this the same The View in which uh, Whoopi Goldberg said that Dr. Jill Biden was a hell of a doctor and it turns out she's not a doctor at all? They just sit there and nod along with each other. You know? It's all about the narrative. Difficult conversation. Yeah. And I know some people feel that we shouldn't be talking about social services. We shouldn't be talking about um, special needs families. I, that we shouldn't be talking about adoption and foster care. And those special services that are needed in this same conversation. I disagree. So how is it that Arkansas's Social services are worse than, say, New York's or California's. I don't see encampments of thousands of homeless people all over Arkansas like you do in California. Yeah, so tell me again how Arkansas's social services are worse than California. Because I think it is hypocritical and wrong. Look in the mirror, babe. To ban a family from making their own choice of what's best for them. We're not talking about a family, Anna, and you know that. A woman or even an underage girl in a lot of states can go get an abortion. Nobody else has any say-so. But you know that, which is why you lie and say it's a family thing. But it's not. And you know it. Doesn't mean that you don't love your special needs um, family members. That you. Oh, it doesn't mean you don't love them just because you want to pay some man to chop them into little pieces. You don't adore them and they are part of the family. You don't love them. You want them dead. But that we know a firsthand experience just how difficult it is to beg and plead for years sometimes to. What, in Arkansas? You lived in Arkansas? No, no, no. No, where did you live? Not in Arkansas. Where was it? Where was it that your family members couldn't get the help you say they needed? Be able to get some help. So if they're going to ban a, a family's choice, there's going to be more poor kids. Yeah. And that's who you want dead, the poor kids. Okay, all right, gotcha. There's going to be more kids in adoption. There's going to be more kids in foster care. There's going to be more abused kids. Oh, so instead of people have to wait for years to adopt a child from halfway around the world, maybe they can adopt a child from the U.S.? Interesting. There's going to be a a lot of other things, and those hypocritical states need to step up and provide the service. You're the hypocrite. You're complaining about abused kids when you want them dead. When you want them dead. Whoopee. What this does is if you're a woman who uses Planned Parenthood to make sure that she gets her physical check birth control, she gets her birth control. Now, when she stopped and started saying physical checkup, she... Use both hands to motion all over her body. You know no Planned Parenthoods do mammograms, right? 
It's like she caught herself before she said that. There are all kinds of things that Planned Parenthood does for women. Well, yeah, I mean, look. Ted Bundy wasn't murdering women all the time. Sometimes he would take people out to lunch, right? Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't murdering and cannibalizing boys all the time. You know, he went to work and, you know, made a living. So Planned Parenthood does other things besides just killing babies. I get it. For poor women, for women who can't do it where they are. Oh, and especially for women of color, right, Whoopi? The idea that any of these female governors who are sitting there talking about, you know, they want to be a, a voice for the silent, be a voice for the present. How about for the babies, Whoopi? Like the seven you killed. Be a voice for the ones you can also see. What's the difference between Whoopi and uh, Susan Smith? Remember Susan Smith? The woman that said the uh, the black guy carjacked her car and... Took her two little boys, toddler and the baby, and you found out, no, she actually rolled them into the, into the lake, drowned them. Stop saying to people that this is a win for all women because it's not. Well, not for the women who wanted their babies killed. I mean, we'll point taken, Whoopi. The whole idea of this, and again, I'm going to say it, we know it's not, everybody doesn't agree. Right. You know what that means? I think grammatically what she means is not everyone agrees. When you say everybody doesn't agree, that means no one. And clearly you got four other trained SEALs there who do agree with her. But we can all agree on one thing. Oh, really? What's the one thing we can all agree on, Karen Elaine Johnson? You and your family have the right to decide. It's not about the family, Whoopi. A woman can decide to have an abortion no matter what the family wants, no matter what they prefer, no matter how much they plead with her not to kill the baby, and you know that. What works for you and what works for your family, that you can decide. You can decide, no, I will never have an abortion because that's what the law allows. It says I don't have to do that. Unlike China, where they had for so many years the one-child-only policy that Molly Yard, the president of National National Organization of Women, now, the now gang, thought was just wonderful. Guarantee a whoopee never criticized that. So you don't have to have an abortion here yet. But if you find that you need one or you find that you have to do this. You find that you need one or you find that you have to do this. Now, what what would that look like, Whoopi? Or if there's incest. Think of all the horrible things that would cause you to make this horrific decision that no one makes. No one makes. With a smile on their face. Sure they do. Sure they do. What about all these people who are saying, uh, shout my abortion? Oh, I, you know, you can go on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and see people big smile. Talking about how wonderful abortion is. 
So again, whoopee lies. Nobody. Yeah. Oh, sure they do. That's what this is about. That's what we're talking about. This isn't you have to. This is about you have the right to make the decision. To kill the baby. See, they have to use euphemisms. They don't dare tell the truth about what this is about. Okay? But wait, there's more. Now, now, if you can imagine, they want to talk about this idea of the separation of church and state, which, by the way, is not in the Constitution. But again, they haven't read it, so, you know. Uh, Do we still have a separation of church and state here? Is it in the Constitution? It's not in the Constitution, you ignorant blithering idiot yeah it's a it's a, the first Listen, amendment guarantee and we mean, don't seem to have that in- no it's not in the first amendment six, well, six we're in a the, theocracy right now six, six of the nine uh justices were born uh or, or raised uh are or were raised catholic catholic yeah. oh, oh oh i see so we're gonna do um religious discrimination now is that it We're going to do religious discrimination. Let me tell you what the First Amendment actually says, because I have uh, I have talked to people about this before when they said separation of church and state. I'm like, where'd you get that? Oh, the First Amendment, really? Where does the First Amendment say anything about the separation of church and state? And they'll answer, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. And then I'll respond, why did you leave out the next few words? Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. There's nothing about separation of church and state. Um, So in repealing Roe v. Wade and... Planned Parenthood versus Casey, Congress was not establishing a religion. Congress wasn't doing anything. It was the U.S. Supreme Court. U.S. Supreme Court was not establishing a religion either. Just so you know, there is no separation of church and state in the Constitution. 22% of America is Catholic. What does that have to do with anything? I mean, I read a lot of the decision... It came down Friday, and at no point did they quote the Pope. And one of the bastions of our democracy, of how we were founded as a country, was a separation of church and state. You don't know nothing, and not much of that. They used to have chapel services in Congress every Sunday until about 1890, when... Members of Congress were able to go home for the weekend because of train service. Just so you know. I'm a Catholic, too. You were raised Catholic. you got a strange way of showing it. Catholic. We were, you know, yeah. most of us were raised Catholic. The way I reconcile it is, if you don't want to take contraception, if you're against contraception, don't take any. Okay. 
So if you don't want to own a gun, don't buy a gun. Right? We could do this all day long. If you don't want to own a gas-guzzling car with an internal combustion engine, don't buy one. Right? You get it? Yeah. We could do this all. If you don't want to eat a steak, if you want to be a vegan, knock yourself out. Yeah. If you're against abortion, don't Don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. If you don't want to get shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, don't try to kill him. Know what I'm saying? If you're against gay marriage, don't marry a gay person. Oh. I see. If yeah. you're against you're doing my whole show, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I would. Uh, no, I would say that I am uh, rabidly pro-choice, but I'm also pro-life because I don't see. Which is impossible. Which is impossible. That's like saying I'm rabidly pro-slavery, but I'm also against slavery. These people just aren't bright (laughs) Uh, a nine-week-old fetus equal to a baby equal to the mother you know what fetus you know what that word means it's latin for little one or human offspring it's a uh, scientific term that people like her try to use to dehumanize babies that they want dead she doesn't know that it means little one or human offspring. And I think the fact that we're not putting more consideration on the mother or the eventual baby that these mothers don't can't support. A lot of the ten, six and ten women are already mothers when they have an abortion. Huh. If only there was another word that started with A and ended in shun. Oh, yeah, yeah, adoption. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, right now you have all these people that are making this decision based on the kids they already have. You know, when I look at that and I think also the, the women that are, are forced to do this because they can't come out and say what happened to them due to the families they have due to incest in their family. They say hard cases make bad law. Uh, Abortions due to rape and incest account for less than 2% of the abortions in this country. But they're acting like it's the majority or something. You know, if you want to make um, incest a capital crime, if you want to make rape a capital crime, that's one thing. But why do you punish the baby for the sins of the father? Can Can I get an amen up in here somehow? As the great speaker Vody Bauckham Jr. once said, Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. If you uh if you want to make rape or incest or both a uh, a capital crime, that's one thing. But the baby didn't do it. These people are not pro choice, they're pro abortion. Buddy of mine uh, listened to the live stream on the Podbean app said these same pro-choices are anti-death penalty, which is very strange. I had to explain that one time. 
how to explain that to a liberal who's like, well, well how can you be pro-death penalty and, and, and against abortion? Well, the baby's not guilty of murder. A pro-death penalty for people to murder. Anyway, here's more. Were born uh, or raised, uh, are or were raised Catholic. Catholic, yeah. 22% of America is Catholic. Wait a minute. And one of the bastions. We already did that part. Why did it go back to that? If you don't want to take contraception. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, because we got to the end of the clip. I apologize. I'm sorry. Okay. So we got one more clip from The View. Whoopi Goldberg, or Karen Elaine Johnson, as her mama called her, lying about Justice Clarence Thomas. Anybody else's decision. I mean, and, and I want to make things very clear. I'm very... Anybody else's decision. I mean, and, and I want to make things very clear. I'm very pro-life. I've never been anti-life. You had seven abortions before the age of 25, Right? So come on, give me a break. I've never been anti-life. I want people to have the lives they want, but I don't want to force anybody. I don't want anybody coming in my house telling me how to raise my daughter and what she needs because they don't know. These and I and I appreciate everybody's religion, but I do not subscribe to your religion. I don't ask you to subscribe to mine, and you do not have the right. I wonder what her religion is. What kind of religion? Uh... Countless abortion. Oh, oh, there is uh, an organization that calls itself a Christian church. It's very, 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 very pro-abortion. We got some statements from them coming up, too. When her daughter got pregnant, Whoopi wanted her to have an abortion, but the daughter wanted to have the baby, so she had the baby. I wonder, I wonder how much coercion Whoopi tried on her own daughter. Based on your religious beliefs... But see, the Supreme Court wasn't quoting the Bible. They weren't quoting religious beliefs. They were just looking at the law and looking at the wrongly decided Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So why do these women on The View want you to think otherwise? They're not pro-choice, they're pro-abortion. To tell me, because what's next, as Clarence Thomas is signaling, Mm -hmm. they would like to get rid of contraception. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. That's a lie. Griswold versus Connecticut. Griswold versus Connecticut is a uh, 1965 U.S. Supreme Court decision that discovered a right to privacy somewhere in the U.S. Constitution and said that the state of Connecticut could not have a law against birth control. Now, in the year 2022, I can't imagine any state legislature would pass a law against birth control, but the point Clarence Thomas made about maybe we need to revisit this decision is There's nothing in the Constitution about birth control. It should be left up to the states. Well, Whoopi is lying. She wants you to be afraid of big bad Justice Clarence Thomas saying he wants to get rid of birth control. That's just not true. Does the federal government 
in the form of the U.S. Supreme Court have the right to tell a state legislature you can't have a law against this, that, or the other thing, even though it's not mentioned in the Constitution. Again, the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution says the federal government doesn't have the right to get in the state's business or the people's business about issues that are not in the U.S. Constitution. That's what this is about. It's not about birth control. Do you understand, sir? No, because you don't that's have crazy. to use it. But that's crazy. They don't have well, to use well, it. That's on insane. the menu now. Contraception's on the menu. You don't have to use it either, Whoopi. I think you're way past your prime on that. I, I don't. I don't think anybody could impregnate you at this point, Whoopi. You don't have to use it either. Just so you know. Gay marriage is, well, is you now hope probably going to be we Affirmative action is We no were more. not in the Constitution either. Gay marriage again. The idea, the idea being the Obergefell decision from seven years ago telling states that you can't define marriages between one man and one woman, that's not based in the Constitution. So that was wrongly decided. Now, Whoopi is looking at the other four women on The View and saying, we weren't in the Constitution either. What does that mean? Well, we were not even people he is in saying the Constitution. Nothing is pressing what, anymore. Well, you better hope Clarence, that they don't come for you, Clarence, and say you should not be married to your wife oh. who happens to be white. Oh, please. Oh, please. That's just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. The three-fifths compromise was an agreement reached during the 1787 U.S. Constitutional Convention over the counting of slaves and determining a state's total population. The slave states wanted slaves to count as, you know, as whole people, okay? The free states didn't want slaves to be counted at all because they weren't free. They weren't allowed to vote, and it would give the slave states an unfair advantage. But liberals turned this on its head and act like all the founders didn't see black folks as human beings. And, again, are they lying or are they ignorant and stupid? I don't know. doesn't make much difference, does it? Because they will move back. And you better hope That's that nobody it. says, you know, well, you're not in the Constitution. You're back to being a quarter We're of a person. Because that's not going to work either. A quarter of a person. Where does she get that at? I mean, there was a case back in 1967 called Loving versus Virginia. <clears throat> a landmark civil rights decision of the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that laws banning interracial marriage violate the Equal Protection and Due Process Clauses of the 14th Amendment. See, that was based on the U.S. Constitution. So, these women, these women, they have no idea No idea what they're talking about. Now, coming up, 
I want to share with you a couple of things. One is the newest member of the U.S. Congress, Mayra Flores, the first member of the U.S. Congress ever to have been born in Mexico. Did you know about that? Now, her parents, her parents came here legally. So that's not even an issue. But, um, and she had a, uh, Wonderful reaction to Roe being overturned, and we got that coming up. Plus, we also have an organization that calls itself a Christian church. It's very upset about Roe being overturned, very upset. And it's just an outrage that they call themselves a Christian church. Anyway, that and a whole lot more is coming up, Uh, plus Joe Biden's Justice Department trying to criminalize political opposition to the regime. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines? Neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes... You probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, 
acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Okay, again, thank you so much to our advertisers and friends, Drs. J.R. and Tanya Crabtree at Arkansas Cervical Center and my buddy Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton. Drs. Crabtree are my doctors, and Justin Minton is my attorney. So, Mara Flores Celebrating the Dobbs decision, celebrating overturning Roe v. Wade. And about half of her, it's less than two minutes long, about half of it is in English, about half of it is in Spanish. I don't really understand the Espanol, but it just sounds so beautiful. I thought I would share it with you. Alleluia. I woke up this morning praying for this, and I never thought that it would happen. This was a big win, not only for South Texas, because we are pro-life, somos pro-vida, but it's also a big win for our country. If we want to see real change in bringing crime down, we need to raise a generation to respect life in the wound. Esta victoria es para nuestra comunidad hispana. Y si tanto orgullo tenemos de nuestra gente, debemos de defender la vida. Si tanto orgullo tenemos de nuestra cultura, de nuestros valores, de nuestras raíces, debemos de defender nuestra gente. Porque la vida no tiene precio. Thank you so much. And now, Web Steve Scalise. <risa> que siempre ha defendido la vida también es un orgullo para mí presentarlo porque necesitamos más personas como él que entiende el valor no solamente de nuestra comunidad aquí en este país pero que defiende la, la vida de nuestra comunidad hispana que para mí es muy valiosa Siempre tendré orgullo de donde soy, de quien soy, de mi familia. Gracias, Steve Skelis, por siempre defender la vida de nuestra comunidad. Thank you for always defending the life of the unborn. Wow. That's just beautiful. That just is heart-stoppingly beautiful, even though lo siento no habla español solamente un poquito. I don't understand it, but it's just beautiful. All right, uh, Brian, hit it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. The way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. So the tweet of the day, this is a four-parter. 
It starts off with a big old lib, Michael Beschloss, who is the NBC News presidential historian and host of Fireside History, MSNBC on Peacock. He also is a contributor to PBS. So in response to the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, he said, language of the Supreme Court decision on Roe has an ominous tone of anger and revenge, especially Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion. So the tweet of the day comes from my old buddy Jim Treacher. We follow each other on Twitter. His response is, too uppity, huh? A lot of white folks are really worried that a black man doesn't know his place. Why is this black man so angry and vengeful? Pondered the whitest guy in the history of the world. (laughs) There's your tweet of the day. There is your tweet of the day. Now, um, somehow or another, AOC, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, got on MSNBC and they asked her about the, uh, the trigger law in Arkansas, outlawing abortion if Roe v. Wade got overturned. Here's what she said. Oh, wait a minute. No, I need to, I need to bring up the volume on a little bit of it because... She's much too young to do this Joe Biden whispering nonsense. So I, I need to make sure that the, the volume is, is, is high enough on all of it. All right, here, here she goes. This decision and this policy will kill people no matter what, they, what the, their spin and what uh, their talking points are. And that's what the data shows and that's what the statistics show. As usual, lying through her teeth. So, um. Texas has had their anti-abortion law going on now for 300 days. Not one woman killed from it. But AOC gets paid to lie. So she doesn't care. She doesn't care. Absolutely not. Okay. So what do we have next? Um, pro boards have nobody to blame but themselves. Oh, this is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's check this one out now. You know who the left should blame for the overturning of Roe versus Wade? Not the Supreme Court, not Christians, not conservatives, not Republicans, not pro-lifers. The only ones they should be blaming are themselves. It is 100% their fault Roe got overturned. A lot of people, myself included at one point in time, could sympathize with the scared teenager, with the drug addict who had no business bringing a baby into this world. We could understand that we didn't like it, we didn't agree with it, but we could at least understand it. We went from safe, legal, and rare to up to the moment of birth. We gave you an inch and you took a mile. We drew the line when you decided that you should be able to murder a fully formed infant up to the moment it exits your body you have no one to blame but yourselves (laughs) 
Mine's are the words of the great philosopher Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin fame. Nobody's fault but mine. All right, uh, Stacey Abrams, who I guess committed insurrection when she kept on claiming that she was the rightful governor of Georgia, right? Kept on claiming that the election was stolen from her in 2018, right? And now she's running for governor of Georgia again. Somehow or another, she was stupid enough to go on Fox News Sunday. Martha McCallum filling in Sunday morning, and it didn't, well, let's just say it didn't go well for Stacy. And, you know, a lot of people told her, you need to run, Stacy. you need to run. But the problem is she has to stop and catch her breath every few feet. Um, Stacey Abrams with Martha McCallum, Fox News Sunday. Do you support any limitation on abortion, or does it? do you think that women should have the right to have an abortion all the way up to nine months? I believe an abortion is a medical decision, and I believe that that should... No, you don't. No, you don't. That's just stupid. Nobody buys it. People are not aborting a baby at eight and a half months for a medical reason. You got to take the baby early. You save the baby. You know, kill it. And I believe that that should be a choice made between a doctor and a woman and in consultation with her family. No, you don't. You don't care what the family thinks. But I think the challenge that we have is that we keep putting this in a political space. This is a medical decision. No, it's not. Dr. C. Everett Koop was a Surgeon General of the United States of America. He had been a pediatrician for almost 40 years. He said he had never, ever seen or heard of a case where you had to kill the baby to save the mother's life. Now, he wasn't talking about ectopic pregnancy. That doesn't count as an abortion. We all get that. Anyway. And the medical choices that should be made should be governed by what is best for that woman and what is best at the suggestion of and advice of their doctor. Well, it's much better for the mother to carry the baby to term than to have it ripped out of her womb. Much better. No, no. I'm not an actual doctor. You just kind of have to trust me on this. You're just going to have to trust me on this. Now, there used to be a church called the Presbyterian Church of the United States. And in 1973, they announced that they were going to ordain a pastor who did not believe that Jesus had actually come to this earth. And at that point, a number of the churches in the denomination announced that is the final straw. We are gone. We cannot abide by this anymore. So they left the PCUSA and they formed the PCA. 
Now, when I came to Little Rock, Arkansas in 2014, at the time there was only one PCA church in Little Rock. There were a number of PCUSAs. So I, I, of course, was going to go to the PCA church because that's the Bible-believing Presbyterian church. The PCUSA is not and has not been for generations a Bible-believing church, which is why they can get to the point where they shared a video expressing how upset they are that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled Friday that um, some state legislatures will now be able to pass laws to save babies from being dismembered in the womb. So we begin with... uh, the Reverend Dr. J. Herbert Nelson II, who is the stated clerk of the PCUSA. The stated clerk. That means he's the, the top guy in charge. For many women today, they have lost on this Supreme Court decision an opportunity to have a choice around their bodies a choice of what it really means to be responsible and to know when you're not able to be responsible. The guilt that comes with that. Of course, he's not going to talk about the word abortion. None of them are. They have to use euphemisms. They can't talk about what it really is. They have to use euphemisms. So that was the Reverend Dr. J. Herbert Nelson II, the guy in charge of the PCUSA. Next, we have the Reverend Dr. Diane Moffitt, President and Executive Director of the Presbyterian Mission Agency. Now, I'm going to guess that at some point the Presbyterian Mission Agency actually did missionary work to share the gospel. Well, they stopped doing that many, many years ago. They don't do that anymore. The Presbyterian Mission Agency is the ministry and mission agency of the PCUSA founded as a Western Foreign Missionary Society by the Presbyterian Church in the United States of America in 1837. It was involved in sending workers to countries such as China during the late Qing Dynasty and to India in the 19th century, also known as the Foreign Missions Board in China. Its name was changed by the old school body during the old school, new school controversy by the Presbyterian Board of Foreign Missions. I'm not even going to get into that. But here's what she had to say. Just so, just so torn up that some state legislatures are not going to allow babies to be torn up anymore. So I'm deeply saddened. I believe that God gives us a choice, and you cannot legislate morality. Well, really? So then why are rape and murder against the law then? 
Each person has to pray and decide what is best for their situation. What about people who don't want to pray? And then move forward. As if God is going to answer the prayer of a believer in Jesus Christ to go ahead and kill the baby? That is how far these people have sunk. Um, So this is very, very concerning to me uh, that we are dealing with this issue. Hey, too bad. Too bad. Now, next we have Joanne Sharp. Joanne Sharp is the Director of Christian Education at First Presbyterian Church in Pueblo, Colorado, and a self-proclaimed lesbian. Yes, doing children's ministry. First Presbyterian Church in Pueblo, Colorado. I am saddened beyond belief, and I am so concerned about the next generation of people that will be affected by this historic moment being overturned, especially, sorry, especially my grandchildren and my great nieces and nephews. I am appalled at what happened today, but I'm not surprised. I'm appalled at the things y'all are saying in defense of child sacrifice, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Next, we have teaching elder Stephanie Anthony, moderator of the committee on the office of the General Assembly. Now, a teaching elder means she is a pastor of a church, so-called. Of course, now the Bible says women can't be pastors, but again, the Bible also said that Jesus came to this earth, and the PCUSA rejected that idea almost 50 years ago. See where I'm going with this? So Stephanie Anthony is going to be, if you can imagine, more politically correct than the other voices that you have already heard here. And that is saying something. But she's um one of those people who's going to imply that uh, not only women can get pregnant. See where I'm going with this? So a, a female pastor of a church who welcomes all kinds of folks who do not have to believe in the Lord. Here she goes. Uh, it stirs up a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, um, deep sadness. I'm a, a mother of two adolescent young women, um, and the idea that they will not have full access to all the health care they may need in their lives, depending on where we live at a given time. Oh, you're concerned they won't be able to, to murder your grandbabies? Is that the problem here, Stephanie? Is uh, infuriating. Um, I also I serve as a patient escort at a women's health care clinic in my community and the patients that I walk with on a regular basis. Now, when she's a women's health care facility, she's talking about an abortion mill where they kill babies. This is how hardcore she is. She walks young girls in from their cars 
to the abortion clinic to try to keep them from seeing the truth and hearing the truth about what they're getting ready to do and from hearing the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet she has a position in a, what, what, what they call a church. It's amazing. Um, come from all around the country already and uh, endure tremendous hardships to get where they're going to do what they need to do. And the idea that uh, the court has decided that people with uteruses don't have the competency or the capability to make their own health care decisions is, uh, is unimaginable and, and terrifying. Did you get that? The court has decided that people with uteruses. So she's part of the patriarchy. She's part of trying to erase women. See what I'm saying? She's part of trying to erase women. She doesn't say women. She says people with uteruses. It's uh, it's sad, isn't it? So she's at a um, Presbyterian church up north somewhere. I I, I okay, Geneva, Illinois. Fine. And she is the pastor and head of staff of this church. So the senior pastor of this church. Well, it's not a church anymore. It hasn't been a church in a long time. But she's uh, she's saying that not just women get pregnant. Then we come to Reverend Jimmy Hawkins. Now, he is the Associate Director of Advocacy for the Presbyterian Mission Board. Now, what does he advocate for? I don't know, but it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's upset that some states are going to pass laws against killing babies also. Um, I think that it's a horrible decision for the life of our country. We're moving backwards. Um, women have a right to reproductive health care. Um, they have a right to reproductive justice. They have the right to choose without having the court interfering, again, for partisan political reasons. Reproductive health care. Again, they have to use euphemisms. They, they can't say what they really mean. You know what I'm saying? They can't say what they really mean. What he really means is women have the right to pay someone to rip that baby out of the womb and, and tear it apart. That's what they really mean. Okay, let's go back to Reverend uh, Dr. Diane Moffitt. 
She has some more thoughts. Well, our church has a stance uh, in terms of the rights for women to uh, decide when they should have children. And when they should kill them. And, and what is best for their families. And I think in light of this, we are going to really need to lift our voices on behalf of women. Lift your voices? Hmm. I wonder what that means. So that we might be free, liberated, to have the kind of autonomy that we need uh, to, to make decisions for ourselves and our family. And so I am grateful to this body uh, for making that decision. And I think because of this, we're going to really have to then begin to share and to advocate and to be in solidarity with women over abortion and issues of access to health care. Uh, I don't know how to break it to you, but um, she is um, her home church is Faith Presbyterian Church in Oakland, California. So I don't think, I mean, I guarantee you there are still abortion mills killing babies, mostly babies of color in the San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose area. I'm sure right there in Oakland, right there in Oakland, you have abortion clinics. Matter of fact, let me just Google Oakland, California, abortion. And they tend to be located in communities of color. You got Planned Parenthood in East Oakland, Planned Parenthood in West Oakland, uh, Real Options, Obria Medical Clinics. Um, yeah, you got. I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven abortion mills on the Oakland side of the bay. So, um, you don't give me this, um, oh, we got to lift our voices and sing. Come on. Come on. Give me a break. Back to Joanne Sharp. Joanne Sharp, uh, director of Christian education. That means she teaches the children at First Presbyterian Church in Pueblo. And she is a self-professing lesbian, which, you know, doesn't really jive with Christianity because the Bible says that people who practice homosexuality need to repent of their sins and come to faith in Christ because people who don't, that's just one of the sins, one of many sins, but people who don't repent of their sins and obey Christ, go to hell. That's what the Bible says. That's not the gospel according to Doc. That's what the Bible says. But see, the PCUSA rejected the Bible generations ago, and which, again, is why they wound up ordaining a guy who did not believe that Jesus actually came to earth back in 1973, almost 50 years ago. So anyway, we go back to... Joanne Sharp. We need to continue to speak out 
the, the people who are going to suffer are those on the fringes of our beloved communities. They're not going to have the resources that somebody that looks like me. Well, wait a minute. It's going to have. Wait. I'm sorry. Somebody who looks like you does not need to get an abortion. I'm sorry, Joanne. Um, Joanne, um, I don't know how to put this to you, but I knew before I Googled your name that you were a lesbian because that's how you present yourself. Um, that's just, and you're way past childbearing age. And, um, if I was just trying to do this for laughs, there are other things I could say, but people like you don't need these services. We've got to speak out. We've got to stay passionate. We have stood for reproductive rights. Over 30 years before reunion, the church was speaking about freedom of choice. We have to continue to speak, and now we've got to shout. Oh, man. Something tells me that the Colorado is probably not going to outlaw abortion anytime soon. Colorado used to be a red state. It's not anymore. I mean, but anyway. Anyway. Um, let me see. Uh, we got oh, Stephanie Anthony again. Oh, my goodness. Senior pastor of a PCUSA church. As a church, the PCUSA has already a history of advocating for and standing with women and others who can become pregnant. You get that? We have a history of standing with women and others who can become pregnant. What a maroon. Um, and I believe we can continue to strengthen those uh, positions, those statements, our prayers, um, and our actions, um, encouraging folks to work within their local communities to stand with uh, the rights of all those who seek full access to health care. Your prayers. And now, now, who are you going to pray to? Molech? I mean, you're not going to pray to the God of the Bible who rejects all this foolishness. Who are you going to pray to, Moloch? Unbelievable. Somebody said two reasons for the overturn. One, the scientists want orphans. Two, so the my body, my choice argument can no longer be used against the liberals for pushing the Coerced jab. Uh, I, I I didn't see anything in Alito or Thomas's um, Alito's uh, wrote Alito wrote the the opinion, and Thomas had a concurrence, and I think Kavanaugh had a concurrence, and uh, Roberts had a concurrence. Didn't see anything in there about the, the scientists warning orphans, but what what I did see 
was that the Roe v. Wade decision was not based on the Constitution. Neither was Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Just like the dissent on the Dobbs decision from Sotomayor, Kagan, and um, Breyer was, didn't reference the Constitution at all. So that's the scary part. All right, uh, Reverend Jimmy Hawkins, let's get back to Jimmy Hawkins. We are asking for Presbyterians to pray and to um, ask God to touch the hearts of those who are in positions of power that they may render decisions based for the benefit of all the citizens of this country and even uh, with a global impact. For we know that what happens in the United States has global implications. Oh, I see. The global impact. So you 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 want more dead babies in Africa then. Is that what you're saying? Man. Man. It reminds me of when Margaret Sanger, who started the Planned Parenthood, she had this plan to pay off black preachers to try to talk their congregations into um, going along with birth control back before abortion was legal. You know what I'm saying? She said, we don't want the Negro race to realize that we want to exterminate them. That's, that's Margaret Sanger. Now, Hillary Clinton said that Margaret Sanger is her hero. And y'all don't think Hillary's a racist? Last but certainly not least, we go back to the Reverend Dr. J. Herbert Nelson II, stated clerk, Presbyterian Church of the USA. We thought that the fight was over. We're clear now that it's just beginning again. And I'm convinced that Presbyterians, as they have before, will be as vigilant in the days ahead as we were in the beginning of this process of struggle over the issue of the rights of a woman to choose what to do with her own body. What about with the body of the baby? See, that's uh, that's 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 who is a question here. What about the body of the baby? And he has uh, preached uh, in Greensboro and Memphis. But I wonder if he ever actually preached the gospel. I wonder. See, I grew up in a Presbyterian church like this, but it, it, it wasn't as far off the mark as it has become over 50 years later. And I remember when other members of the extended family would take me to other kind of churches and I would hear the gospel. And I would hear that um, God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and we could know that we were saved. And the only time I remember hearing that in the Presbyterian church I grew up in was at my daddy's funeral. I, I guess my mama wanted the preacher to preach a salvation message at my daddy's funeral. And he did, and it was great. 
And I remember thinking, why don't you preach like this on Sundays? Why don't I hear this message from you on Sundays? That's what I wanted to know. I think it's a good question. Now, the one quote, preacher, unquote, that I uh, played a clip from was talking about the you know, abortion all over the world. Clearly, he wants more dead babies in Africa. And that brings us to Dementia Joe, who I will never call president. Dementia Joe. So uh, what did Dementia Joe say? Hey, Palestine, it's 815. Um, wait, wait, no, no. On uh, Wednesday night, you get a chance to be called. Nothing urgent. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, this going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. No, no, not this. And you can clear. And, uh, whoa, whoa. Anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. <laughs> now, that was actually Dementia Joe leaving a voicemail for Hunter about uh, talking about their Chinese business deals. Remember when he said, I've never talked to my son about any foreign business deals? Oh, what a lie. All kinds of stuff on that laptop. No, uh, Biden at the G7 announcing a plan, announcing a plan to build a vaccine plant in the African nation of Senegal. See, I think that guys like, um, well, whoever is, you know, pulling his strings, Obama, Klaus Schwab, George Soros, whoever is pulling Biden's strings, I think they are upset that not nearly enough Africans are taking the vaccine. I mean, how many of you know somebody who took the vaccine and then had very negative results? Adverse reactions to the vaccine. Because I certainly know people who have. Well, see, it's not going to work for the stated purpose of population control if they can't get Africans to start taking the vaccine. Now, have you ever heard of something called ZPG? Zero population growth? Is that ring, ringing the bells? I remember reading about it Um. Was it my weekly reader? Was that it? Seemed like when we were kids in public school, we had my weekly reader in elementary school, and then we had a different kind of thing from the scholastic company in junior high. And um, so this would have been the late 60s, and they actually were saying that 
the U.S. and Europe were concerned that the Africans were having too many children. And they want to do something about it. They're concerned the black folks in Africa were having too many children. I'm not making it up. I remember this. Zero population growth is now called Population Connection, a nonprofit organization in the United States that raises awareness of population challenges and advocates for improved global access to family planning and reproductive health care. That means abortion. The organization was founded in 1968 by Paul Ehrlich, Richard Bowers, and Charles Remington in the wake of Ehrlich's best-selling book, The Population Bomb. The organization adopted its current name in 2002. Yeah. So, um... Just so you know. Just so you know. Revenue, they made uh, about $15 million in 2021. But they're pushing abortion on folk that don't look like them. Just like Biden is pushing the vaccine on folk that don't look like him. First, health. Two years ago, COVID-19 didn't need any reminders about how critical investments in health care systems were and health, sec- and health security is, both to fight the pandemic and to prepare for the next one, because it will not be the last pandemic we, under, we, we have to deal with. Oh, really? That's why the United States, together with the G7 partners and the World Bank, are investing in a new industrial-scale vaccine manufacturing facility in Senegal. Sure you are. Of course you are. Even as the Australian government announces compensation for people who have had adverse reactions to the COVID vaccination. Have you heard about this? Did you know about this? Is Fox News going to tell you about this? No, they're not. Is Sean Hannity going to tell you about this? No, he's not. Is Newsmax, which fired Steve Cortez for refusing to get the vax, are they going to tell you about it? No, they're not. But this is on Australian television. It's less than two minutes long. And it is actually, actually compensation for victims of the COVID vaccine. The benefits far outweigh the risks, but as the vaccine rollout now ramps up through the booster phase, there are a rare few who suffer serious side effects. Now the federal government is offering compensation for anyone who becomes seriously ill after having their COVID shot. Yeah, 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 the, 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 the rare few. Yeah, the yeah the the positive way outweigh the the uh, the negative. Sure, yeah, but the rare few you get compensated. Yeah, right. 
It's been a long road to recovery for Maddie John. It's a really uncomfortable and um, quite a frightening experience. He felt like he was having a heart attack two days after getting the Pfizer vaccine. I just got this sharp pain that I've never experienced before in the centre of my chest. Diagnosed with severe pericarditis, he was off work for 10 weeks. You constantly worry, I suppose, that anxiety around, I suppose, we're talking about your heart. Maddie's not alone. It's estimated 79,000 people have suffered adverse reactions to vaccines. Now the government's offering compensation. Claims under $20,000 will need evidence from your doctor. Claims over $20,000 assessed by a team of legal experts. The highest figure reserved for only the most serious of cases. I think it could cost the government a lot of money. Daniel Opare works at Shine Lawyers. He's looked closely at the government scheme. If you do suffer pericarditis, it, it can uh, result in you being out of pocket. Um, you know, you might have to see a cardiologist, you might need procedures. Um, so it is definitely appropriate that there is a vaccination scheme there to compensate those people. But like all schemes, there are limitations. To make a claim, you must spend at least one night in hospital. And that's a clause that makes Maddie John ineligible. He was admitted to hospital twice, but never stayed the night. It is a little bit frustrating um, and out of pocket a fair bit, but in saying that too, um, it is what it is and um, that's life. The scheme is now open. Nick Hose, 7 News. All right. So, I told you I was going to tell you about how the Biden DOJ is continuing to um, criminalize political opposition. There's a guy named John Eastland. You heard of him? He's an attorney, and uh, he used to clerk for uh, Justice Thomas. And he worked in the uh, the White House. Oh, did I say John Eastland? I'm sorry. Uh, James Eastland. No, not James Eastland. Wait a minute. It's, it's John Eastland, right? Let me get back to this. Oh, John Eastman. Okay, I got it wrong. I apologize. It's John Eastman. He used to clerk for Justice Thomas, and he worked in the White House. For President Trump, American lawyer who's the founding director of the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence, a public interest law firm affiliated with the conservative think tank Claremont Institute, former professor and dean of the Chapman University School of Law, a former law clerk to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. So, he he worked in the White House for President Trump, and, of course, Wikipedia says he was a key participant in the attempts to overturn the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Well, there's no overturning to be done. He was trying to help Trump keep them from stealing it. Um. 
Eastman told Mike Pence in an Oval Office meeting on January 5th that Pence had the constitutional authority to block the certification. Pence did not accept Eastman's argument. Eastman also sent to Republican Senator Mike Lee a six-point plan of action for Pence to throw out the electors from seven states, which Mike Lee rejected. On January 6, 2021, Eastman presented a speech at the White House Trump rally that preceded what happened at the Capitol. So anyway, anyway, Eastman is now suing the federal government. And here's his declaration. He said, on June 22nd, 2022, at approximately 7.15 p.m., while I was walking to my car after dinner at a restaurant with my wife and a friend, was confronted by approximately six FBI agents. One FBI agent stopped me from entering my vehicle and stated that he had a warrant to seize my cell phone. I asked to see the warrant, but the agent refused. He demanded that I, that I hand him my cell phone several times, and each time I requested first to see the warrant. The FBI agents eventually conducted a pat-down and then seized the phone that I was carrying. Only after the seizure did the FBI ex- exec- executing officer provide me with a copy of the warrant. And he attached the warrant. He said the cell phone seized by the FBI provides access to emails that have expressly been held by a federal court to be protected by the First Amendment's freedom of association, the attorney-client privilege, and or the work product doctrine. I declare in the penalty of perjury that the foregoing is true and correct, executed on June 24, 2022. John Eastman. So um, Julie Kelly presented a screenshot of that on her Twitter account, and she said, American Gestapo referring to the FBI. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. They are uh, weaponizing the Justice Department. Oh, by the way, Molly Hemingway asks, do we have a safety update or update of any kind on the very young Russian trafficked prostitute Hunter Biden videotaped. I know how much our corporate media push salacious stories with zero evidence, so they must be aggressively pursuing this one with loads of evidence. Yeah, there, there, there's a video of Hunter talking to this very scared young woman. Hey, look, no bruises, right? I didn't do anything against your will, right? I treated you kindly, right? John Eastman, by the way, was on with Tucker Carlson to discuss the Democrats' January 6th witch hunt and the FBI seizing his phone without showing him a warrant. Just so you know. Tom Fitton, Judicial Watch, says uh, Nancy Pelosi is not expected to testify about her failure to secure the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, 
as a federal court considers her legal position that 14,000 hours of January 6th videos or any security emails be released to the public under law. God bless Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch. They're doing what the uh, mainstream media refuses to do. Refuses to do. Well, you know, there's uh, there's so much more that I would like to get to, but it is late, and I have talked uh, on this episode more than I would talk on a regular three-hour radio talk show where there are a lot of breaks for a lot more commercials than we do on the podcast and news and traffic and weather and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's 317 Eastern, 217 Central. (laughs) And coming up, coming up in less than nine hours, I will be doing another episode of the Doc Washburn Show, The Voice of the Resistance, featuring my friend Joseph Foreman, who is one of the co-founders of Operation Rescue and getting his unique take about the Christian underpinnings of the pro-life movement and his unique take on the Dobbs decision overturning Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That having been said, you've been listening to episode 182 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, June 28th, 2022.